Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket comes. Fan of a champion, four-time champion. His name is Simon Sharon Gordon. That's at Simon Seagull on Twitter. He does social media stuff for the NBA. Simon, how are you doing? How's your uh, championship, your post-championship hangover, I should say? So, first of all, I've slept like uh, maybe four hours total since the title. I was on the road for the whole finals. I flew... I was working till like 4 a.m. the night they won. I flew back to New York like 8 a.m. that morning. Really fucking stoked that I didn't have to go back to the Bay Area because I'm leaving on a trip to Italy in two days. And if there had been a game seven, I would have had to fly back to New York and straight to Italy, which would have ruined my trip, especially if the Celtics had won. But I have to say, like, I've been so exhausted that I haven't even had a chance to like start digging for all the receipts that I'm going to spend the entire summer uh, being extremely obnoxious about. So I know you shared my my Twitter at, but you might not want to follow me if, if that's something you want to replace. Well, before we uh, talk about that even more, uh, I do have to make an announcement. This one is Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pots Tripping every Friday that I do with Prez. You also get access to... The Strickland Mailbag that Drew is hosting now every other week with rotating contributors. This week's episode was excellent. It also featured Jeffrey Rasmussen and Derek Reefer. Uh, you also get access to the Strickland Discord uh, for that $6 tier uh, where the conversation about the Knicks and basketball never stops. $9 tier, you get access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I yell, rant, and rave about the Knicks even more. You also, and much more importantly, get access to wonderful weekly articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. There's further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like live watch parties, discounts on merchandise. Uh, you could even potentially co-host a podcast alongside yours truly one day. If you choose to subscribe or not... <clears throat> Your support is appreciated. So, without further ado... Well, I'm assuming if people follow me, they would uh, appreciate any uh, any receipts that you you were happy to to to, to launch away over the summer. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, let's just get into the, the, the series here. Uh, Golden State obviously won 4-2. Um, I thought the first 
four games were actually pretty even. Uh, I know, like, it was weird because none of the games were actually individually competitive, but overall, I was like, okay, this is an even series, 2 2. Uh, I liked, at 2 2, I liked Golden State's chances of winning because best of three, you have home court, and more importantly, you have the best player in the series by far. You have a really good chance. Um, <clears throat> but I thought game five and six, they. They, they were just better. Like they, you could just see it. Uh, they, they were better. They knew they were better. They had everything figured out. And I thought the last two games were pretty dominant victories. Yeah. I, I think that like, so before the series, I predicted warriors in seven. Um, I thought it was going to be a split in the first two and in the second two. And that all, that all held true. Um, but that being said, after game five, I, I didn't think it was going seven anymore because it just seemed like they had figured out how to shut down Boston and the Celtics really didn't have any counters. Um, whereas like the Celtics also knew how to guard the Warriors. I, I would actually say like the Celtics were up to one in part because they had a better understanding of how to defend the Warriors from the jump than the Warriors had of how to defend Boston. It's just that like, how to defend the Warriors is to limit them to whatever type of offense they were limited to. Uh, and that's just a better baseline of offense than what the Warriors eventually figured out how to limit Boston to because the Warriors have Steph Curry. Uh, and I know we'll talk about it a bunch, but I think that just like at the end of the day, the best you can do on Steph is either switch and not send help like Boston did for much of this series and just trust that you have the best switch scheme in the league and that you can, you know, limit the rest of the guys. Um, but if Steph is going to make shots like he did all series, then that's going to hurt. And if you start doubling and sending traps 30, 40 feet from the basket, um, you can force Steph into more of the types of games that he had in game five. But it's no coincidence that that was Draymond's best game, that that was Cool and Clay and Wiggins' best game. Um, so it's really just pick your poison, and Boston did did all you can, uh, but it's just not enough. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, I actually, as good as uh, Golden State was, and they were really good, I didn't think it was about their offense at all. I mean, I for the most part, the only difference in the offenses to me, for the most part, like process-wise, Golden State's process was always going to be better than Boston's process, just like because like their offensive system is really good. Um, but I I felt like all year Golden State's offense is quite a bit overrated. Um, not not because like systemically they're doing something wrong, but they just don't have the firepower that they used to um, with like clay being diminished. And there's a Draymond is not, I mean, he, he summoned up the, the, the ghost of Draymond pass for game five and six, but he, he's not the same player. He was, Um, I think they finished what, like 16th or 17th in offensive rating the regular season. Uh, And I know some of that was just like, they're experimenting. They're trying different things out, but they're not consistently as, explosively insane of an offense as they used to be, but what they still are and what I thought really was the difference in the series in some ways, their defense is fantastic. And 
they have personnel to switch. They have personnel to trap and recover. They have the personnel to play any type of coverages. They can go big with Looney. They can go small with Draymond at the five. They can do all kinds of things. And the key to that, uh, I mean, Draymond is the key, but one of the keys to that also, and I think this is what makes him so dangerous, is like Steph can hang. Steph can play. He, he can switch. He Are there matchups that are tough for him? Absolutely. But he's somebody that can hang there. I think he's a flat-out good defender. Um, and I thought really the difference in the series was just like, for all the talk about Boston's historic defense, and they were historically very, very good from, I think, basically when they started their winning streak onward, and even through the playoffs, they've been excellent. But like Golden State's defense was better. And is some of that about the personnel that Boston does, and I guess it's always doesn't have, for sure. But like, they exposed that, and they were ruthless about it, and they did not let them get up off the mat. Which, look, we saw Milwaukee took them to a game seven, and or they, I mean they they had them in the elimination game at home in game six. They couldn't close that out. Uh, Miami had a chance to close that out uh, in game seven at home. They couldn't close it out. Like. This is a team that has been resilient and has found ways to win against, you know, with with their backs to the wall. But Golden State didn't give them that chance. And I thought really it was just how suffocating their defense was, more so than like, because to me, the difference in the offenses was ultimately just that Steph is Steph. Like, that's really it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, there's a lot there. So, I mean, entering the series. I said, like, if Gary Payton II, Otto Porter, and Andre Iguodala are all available, um, or just two of the, like, ranking those guys in order of importance, it was the order I said it. So Payton by far number one, but the other two matter as well. Um, I said the Warriors will win if they have those guys, especially Payton. And I said, I think Boston will win if they don't. And I know that's weird because you normally don't, like, pick a champion based on their seventh man. But Peyton just enables the Warriors to be the type of defense that Boston is, if not better, like you said. Um, I think it was strange that once it was clear that he was available, that like there was so much talk about like Boston's defense and much less about the Warriors' defense going into the series because the Warriors actually had the number one defense in the league during the regular season um, until very late and with the injuries they sustained it was it was pretty clear that like they would have had the top defense still had Draymond Green played the whole season um Clay Thompson coming back obviously created a bit of an issue there because initially he looked pretty poor on that end but if you watched throughout the playoffs he got better every series and culminating just, just that, on defense on on defense yeah, <laughs> on defense, yeah to be to be clear um uh, but like that in that Dallas series, he looked a lot better. He still he's never gonna guard like quick point guards the way he used to. But like Jaw was the only guy that he had to face that played that way, and he only had to face him for three games. But like he could hang with Brunson, he could hang with Luca, and he certainly could hang with Jalen Brown and and J- especially Jason Tatum. Brown, you know, has a little more juice like with his first step, but but Clay still did a solid job on him and and. To your point, Steph Curry, as well, is just like a straight-up good defender at this point. So it's like the only weak link in the Warriors' rotation defensively is Jordan Poole. And once Kerr made the adjustment to just play Peyton 
like essentially invert their minutes. So it was Peyton getting the 25 to 30 and Poole getting the 15 to 20. Um, the Warriors pretty much at all times had like, I would say green. I, I mean, I want to ask you this actually. Like, if you were ranking the best defensive players in this series, where, like, what's your top four, right? Because it's pretty clearly, like, Green, Peyton, and Wiggins on the Warriors, and then Rob Williams, Marcus Smart, and whoever. I mean, those are, like, the two big ones on the Celtics. But, like... I got to be honest. I think Smart's super overrated on defense. Yeah. I I I was going to say, I I think Peyton is... I don't think he's, like... I. I think Robert Williams is a better defender, obviously. I think Horford's a better defender. I think Tatum's a better defender. Like, I flat out, was there any time that's, like, I saw I saw Steph cook basically everybody on the Celtics in ISOs except for Tatum. He was, like, the one guy. I think Tatum even blocked a couple of his threes. Even in the, I think it was after that game, in, in game four, which was Steph's, like, you know, virtuoso performance. But, I remember Tatum blocked a couple of his threes and it's like, that's no joke. You know, like that's probably the toughest guy to block ever on threes. Um, but yeah, I, I flat out think smart, super overrated on defense. I've thought this all year. I have no idea why he won defensive play of the year. Uh, I think what they played, they played a game, game two in against Milwaukee. They didn't have smart. They had one of their best defensive performances of the series. Look of the, of the playoffs actually, but like, that's one game sample size stuff. I'm not saying Marcus Smart is not a good defender. I just like after the game, I tweeted something after the series, I guess I tweeted something like, you know, Boston needs to upgrade for Marcus Smart. Like they need a better playmaker to help out Jalen and Jason. And I got a lot of pushback like, oh, he's the heart and soul of the team. He just won defensive player of the year and they made the finals. And it's like, okay, cool. They made the finals and they fucking lost. Like, yeah. like they lost. So, I'm not suggesting they nuke the fucking roster. I'm saying upgrade on a position. You know, you can disagree with me that about the position. Just don't fucking tell me it's like absurd. It's Marcus Smart, okay? Like, d- where does he rank among the league's point guards? Is he a top ten guy? No. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not suggesting they they go from I don't know, like I'm I I'm like actually struggling for name. It's not like I'm saying like oh go from uh you know, having Darius Garland to go get like fucking Steph Curry or something. Like, obviously that's not realistic and I'm not suggesting that, but I'm also like, it's pretty realistic. I think that you could find an upgrade on Marcus Smart. I'm not saying it'd be easy. might be difficult. Anyway, to go back to your question. um, Yeah, I guess if I was doing top four, I would say Draymond when he's engaged. Uh, which he's so weird. He's so weird and old now. Like I don't even know what to get. Like, whatever. Draymond, uh, Robert Williams, Horford, and Wiggins. So you don't have Peyton in there. I think Peyton's. I have a tough. I I don't like putting defensive specialists in. Like. I don't like that because he is a really good defender. He's an awesome defender, actually. But, like, he doesn't play 30 minutes a night. He doesn't have... He doesn't have to do the things offensively that those other guys have to do, and they still maintain defensive integrity. So I just will give them the benefit of the doubt because of that. 
Yeah, that's fair. I think, but to me, that's more like thinking about them as as overall defensive players, which I guess was my question. But in this series, like, yeah, Peyton was awesome. He, yeah. I, I, and the I, I, were I, able to play Peyton big minutes. And one of my big worries, because Peyton didn't play game one, right? Right, right. And I was like, I thought if they if the Warriors had a chance, Peyton had to play. And I just assumed because he didn't play game one that even though he was like active and suited up that he wasn't actually healthy which like kind of made me think even more that boston was going to win the series uh i mean obviously they're they're up one nothing you feel good but like that made me even more um uh concerned but yeah i mean Peyton was awesome he was like i think he had the biggest plus minus in game six and it wasn't one of those flukes like he was positively impactful the entire game and actually i think that was one reason I think Iguodala got so pissed at him when he picked up his fourth foul. Because yeah. he was like, dude, you're literally about to win us this game. Stop being a fucking idiot. Yeah, it was an unnecessary foul. I mean, but if you look at the series, yeah, like game one, Peyton doesn't play. Boston drops 120 points, miss, makes every three in the fourth quarter. Um, and then game three, Boston had 116, but Draymond was really bad in that game. So yeah, that was at, that was Draymond. That that was the game he decided to just like be fat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but if you look at the four wins, it was 88, 94, 97, and ninety for Boston. Um, and that just doesn't really happen in like this era. Uh, and, and th- those were four Draymond's best four games. Peyton's, uh, you know, was playing in all those games. Um, Looney obviously was, was a stalwart all series, but like, yeah, Golden State's defense is, is incredible. And it really just comes down to like, we, I mentioned it at the top, but once they kind of just like, I, I, Steve Kerr kept saying throughout the series, like play with force and that could like, if you weren't watching closely, you could just think that's like total cliche coach speak. But if you were watching closely, even with the Warriors down 2-1, it was pretty clear that when both teams were playing with force and like playing with desperation, the Warriors were better, even when they were down 2-1, because it was just like Boston had had that edge. And to be clear, like Boston, that is an edge that Boston has as a team because they have a bunch of like young athletic hungry high motor guys and the warriors are kind of an aging team where that's going to fluctuate so that's not to say oh the warriors are we're guaranteed down to one they're still going to win the series they had to bring it uh but once they did it's not a surprise that they won three straight and it's not a surprise that draymond was able to like get back to like god tier defense for those last couple of games yeah i mean i i think i I always it's always funny because even defensive players need to like feel confident offensively, I think, for them to be the best versions of themselves. And the thing is Draymond is obvious like his greatest value is defensively, but he's key to their offense too. So I think for him it's been a struggle with like you know, the, the shooting stuff with him has been so weird. And then he goes through these bouts where like it's not even about shooting, but he's not even looking at the hoop. Like he just, he's as soon as he catches it, he's staring about, he's staring at like where he can go flip it to clay and set a screen for him. Instead of at least pretending like you're going to do something or putting the ball on the floor, getting into the paint. 
and spraying it out to somebody else. Like, and I think he finally, in the last two games especially, he really got back to that. And I felt like that getting into some kind of offensive rhythm got his defense back to like the the top most impactful level it was at. Because yeah. yeah yeah, go ahead. Well, no, it was just on that note, like, I think that that's true. And I, I do think a lot of that just goes to Draymond, like, digging deep. But I think a ton of it goes to the strategy on, on Ime Udoka's part. Because, like, through four games, the Warriors' offense was literally, it was just, Boston was guarding them unlike any team ever had. They were just daring Steph to beat switches one-on-one. And they weren't trapping off the pick and roll. They were playing a drop coverage. Um, and that was like a huge talk on all the broadcasts, right? Like, oh, why is Boston dropping? They need to come up to the level of the screen. But it's like, you just, you don't understand Steph Curry if you think you, like, as unless you trap, you're playing drop against Steph, right? Like, no matter what level the defender's at, like, he's going to be have to be on his heels. And, and you can just set the screen higher, and Steph can shoot from 30-plus. So, like, Boston wasn't trapping, and the four on three out of the trap has been the backbone of not only the Warriors entire offense, the whole time that they've had Steph and Draymond, but specifically Draymond's offense um, because he just, he's not a good enough offensive player to create any advantage in a one-on-one situation, but in four on three, he's like masterful at that chess game. Um, And, and that's how he gets his own points as well as obviously sets up guys to score. And, and in game five, Boston said, okay, Steph just, dropped 43 on us he's averaging like 35 in the series we have to start trapping more and it's just not at all a coincidence to me that Draymond found his offense there um so I I do think a lot of it was like just a result of how Boston was playing them like a lot of his struggles and then his his turnaround yeah I, I definitely hear that I also just think some of it was like it's like very small stuff but I would rather have Draymond brick four threes from the corner then take o- those open corner shots and like, oh my God, let me just go set a fucking dribble hand. Like, no, shoot the shot, shoot the fucking ball there. Like that, those are shots you just have to take. Um, and he, like, he, he made his only two threes of the series in game five. And it was no, just like yeah, a, game six, game six. game six, rather. Yeah. Sorry. And, and you can just kind of tell like you're, you're not, if you're Boston, like that is the most like backbreaking like spiritually devastating thing that can happen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I thought it was really funny. I I don't know if you, were you actually you, you're probably not even listening to the broadcast when you're watching these games, are you? No, no, no. Yeah. Because he made his first three and like then he attempted a second one and as he was attempting a second one Mike Breen was like Draymond's feeling it. In the <laughs> um but like, yeah, I mean, it's just, that's that's half the battle. And actually there was, I mean, you can see this with a lot of guys. It's not even just about like making or missing those shots, but it's a function of running your offense. And like, that is the output you want, regardless of the result, the output of an open corner three generally is what you want. Even if it is Draymond, that's not a bad shot. Um, and there was a possession late in the fourth, maybe not late in the fourth, but like midway through the fourth, early in the fourth, when the lead was like, you know, was getting down to 10, 9, 8, whatever. There was a possession where they swung it around and hit Clay in the, or sorry, not hit, they hit Wiggins in the corner. And Wiggins had missed like two threes before that. 
and he pump faked and then he drove and I, I don't remember what happened. It might have been a turnover or they missed shot or something. And at the next break of play, you could see Clay tell him, like, shoot the fucking ball. Like, like that's a good shot. You're in the corner. Just you got to trust it. Shoot the ball. And the next time he got the ball in the corner is he hit a big three right after I think Horford hit a three to cut the lead to eight. So like it's it's stuff like that that I think you know bringing it back to Draymond. It's like we get that that's you're not comfortable taking that shot, and that's not a shot we're trying to produce on every possession. But there are just moments where like he has to take that shot, and he was doing too much of like the record scratch like you know, okay, actually, I'll just go, again, run a dribble handoff with somebody or swing it back out. And, like, it's like, no, just there are times where you just got to shoot it. And I think he finally found that balance uh, later in the series. Um, But, you know, like, who really cares about Draymond uh, right now? Because, look, Steph Curry, finals MVP, he averages for the series 31 31.2 31.2 points, six rebounds, five assists, two steals. Uh, he shoots 48, 44, 86 splits from the field, 62 and a half true shooting, 59 and a half EFG. Uh, I don't really know where to start with all that, but ultimately, I think this was this is the series he will be remembered for, even though. This series itself, I don't think, is going to be very memorable for non-Warriors fans. And it is not going to be, I don't want to say a vintage, but it's not as good as the best Warriors teams we've seen recently. But in some ways, I think that's exactly why he will be remembered for this more than any other. Yeah, it's something we've talked about before, like how just not every title has equal weight. Um, no, dude. All titles are the same. Kevin Durant's two are like you know they count the same. They're they're worth more than Dirk's one. It's you know he he. It's the same grind. You know they both went through the same grind. Yeah. No. I mean, look like people. <laughs> I think people get confused because even when they think they're making the argument that they're the same, they don't realize that they're actually just trying to say that like they're worth the same to the fan base or or to the organization rather. Like. If you're the they're worth the same on a Wikipedia. They're worth the same on Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. Even it, even to the Warriors organization, I don't think they're worth the same. Like, if you asked Bob Myers, which, like, I think you could tell at the end of the series that for all of these guys, not forget the players, because we know for the players, it does it is different. Like, we knew that, right? right. But, like Kerr, Bob Myers. I don't even really. I don't really give a shit about Joe Lacob, but Joe Lacob, like. Well, yeah. I mean, Lacob did yeah. say, like, in the on the podium that this one was was the yeah. best one. So yeah. you're, you're you're totally right about that. Yeah. Um. But I, but I think that like the point being clearly for the players, they're not the same. Mm-hmm. Um. And and not just like for the players because the players can feel however they want to feel, right? But like for our analysis of like legacies and all time rankings. It, it does matter. And like Dirk's one, like you said, like that's an all time title because like of, you know, what he had around him, but also like the team he went up against in the finals. Um, and there's, there's, I want to make one point there though, like in talking about what someone has. Yo, can I just them. tell you something really yeah, quick? Yeah. This is from Adrian Wojnarowski right now. Okay. ESPN sources. Kenny Atkinson has decided he won't become the Charlotte Hornets' head coach 
and will remain with Golden State as top assistant. After being offered the job during the NBA Finals, further conversations led Atkinson to believe it would be best to remain with the Warriors. So congratulations. That's insane. Um, I, I don't even know how to react to that. Like, what... Uh, do you think that's like a financial thing? I mean, do you think he just realized that like Charlotte kind of sucks? Like, what, what if? Do you think? I don't know. You like you're you're up on the Warriors more than I am. Is there any chance Kerr might be thinking about retiring in the next year or two? That's really interesting. Um, I mean, there I, I haven't heard anything along those lines. But he says, like, you know, like, I, I wonder if, because he was, like, very, and maybe it was just the emotion of the moment, but he was very, like, introspective. I don't know. He's not even been introspective. That's wrong. He's just been, like, very zen this year when I feel like in his interviews and stuff. And I don't know. He seemed like, I, I do think, you know, he definitely likes this team and this version of the team. He likes coaching it more than I think maybe any of the other teams. Because, you know, maybe some of it is that his position is so secure, and now he doesn't have to deal with, like, the day-to-day drama of, I have to make Kevin Durant feel super important all the time, or, you know, his first year, like, people forget this, but that was, like, you're being hired to win a championship. That was not a team he was being hired to, like, you know what I mean? Like, that that was, like, a no, you're, yeah. you're, you get, you're the coach to win a championship. And so there was pressure with, like, it, I think this is, like, the first year or two where he's kind of, like, free in some ways to do his own thing yeah and i think i mean i think first of all i think he had his he has improved so much as a coach and i think, yeah he was great this year yeah and like he was always a great coach like you don't you don't take over a 50 win team people said people always like to say like oh they might have made that leap with mark jackson it's like okay so you don't understand like offense um but you just yeah like you don't take over a team and turn them into an instant dynasty uh if you're not already a great coach but it's just like the the little nuances the things that he's been fairly criticized for over that run the you know in in series adjustments were always good but like in game adjustments were more questionable just like overall conservatism right um and then the the player development on of some of the young guys that didn't really uh, didn't really progress during those first few years. Like those are all areas where he's just clearly grown. He had such a sense of urgency coaching this postseason. I think the decision to like bench Draymond in in Game Four down the stretch was just like an all time gutsy call. Um, but to that point, like yeah, you could be right. I I would lean just just having to guess that it might just have more to do with like seeing what this organization accomplished like feeling winning the title like being around all of it and having it kind of sink in and then thinking back i'm totally just you know uh freestyling here but like if you're kenny atkinson and you think back to like brooklyn right and you think to how (laughs) like how that transpired maybe oh we'll talk about them yeah we'll talk about them you know what i'm saying maybe you're like i don't know if this is the job I want to leave this organization for. Like maybe I need to be more selective because it's hard to find this type of situation. Um, it also could have something to do with the Warriors, right? They could see like, we're losing Mike Brown. We're, we're a championship level team. We don't want to cut costs. And maybe they're offering him something a little more than or, that they originally did. Um, I don't know, but that's, that's fascinating. Wow. 
Um, yeah, but sorry, we were talking about stuff before and just, um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, along the point is just like we, me and you always have, you know, understood what Steph is and talked about him, um, in, in like the highest possible regard in terms of all time status and, and the league currently. And I just think that like this, this title is just so like validating for people who have felt that way um because it just not only is it like he was able to do it again without durant not only is it like he was able to do it with the worst this is like the worst team that he has won a championship with without a question and he was able to there's no like injury excuses you know oh they they got lucky with who they faced or whatever all that but really i think to me the thing that's the most like validating for people who have always been like pro Steph in this regard is just that like what I talked about earlier with how Boston defended him it's like oh yeah like the reason that this guy doesn't always have amazing games or doesn't always score 30 plus in the in series is because of the way he's defended and that's why his team basically wins every series they're ever in um and oh this team's trying to play him a different way and he drops like 40 on them nightly. Like to me, that was the most like validating part of it. Um, because there's, there's just so many people that despite Steph being the engine of like all time offense for a decade, just still aren't able to grasp like the concept of, of his gravity. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I, I've said this before, and I I love Steph, and I think I I thought he's close to top ten even before this finals. Um, but like one of the things with his career, and this can be, this is probably the stupidest criteria, um, but it is like it is when you think about the all time grades is like their signature moment in a finals or whatever, and not really his fault, but like Steph hasn't he didn't have a signature finals moment like the the first championship they win there's just not a moment there for me as like you know for you as a warriors fan i'm sure this is different but like as a non-warriors fan when i look back at that series i'm just like oh yeah the the warriors were better and in game five they realized it and then it was over and it was like you know like that's that's kind of just what i think about it. it wasn't some individual performance of Steph's that like captured the series and turned the tide and all these kind of things you know then you have the Durant years where they just dominating um there are you know like the, the they lose to Cleveland obviously in 2016 um 2019 they lose to Toronto but like this was his series and game four was his game. That was like Jordan has flu game. He has game six. Dirk has the game winning layup in game two against Miami. Like, look, like you can go through these players and they have these signature games and series and moments. And Steph just didn't have that for whatever reason. And it's it's weird how that all works. But like, this was his. There's nobody else's. That like we can sit here and wax poetic about 
Wiggins's offensive rebounding and his wonderful defense on Jason Tatum and Draymond figuring out how to be good again and Kevon Looney somehow being an offensive rebound monster, even though he can't jump at all. Like there's all these like Jordan Poole, you know, specializing in making bizarro end of quarter, end of half shots. There's all these kind of things we can do, but like I won't remember any of that five years from now. All I'm going to remember is I will go on YouTube and I will search game four, Steph Curry, Boston, like game six, Steph Curry, Boston. Like that is the only things you're going to remember from this series. And he just was on another level. And like I said earlier, Tatum, like the way I think of it is this Boston gave Steph all of the attention, all the, they threw everything at him, every possible coverage, every possible matchup, every possible pressure, all types of physicality, all that kind of stuff. And he was able to handle every single bit of it. All yeah. of it. Yeah. He was able to ha- handle all of it. The Warriors did the same fucking thing to Jason Tatum, and he could not handle it. And that is the difference in the series. We yeah. can sit there and talk about everything else. That's the difference in the series. And that doesn't mean, like, as I talked about, that doesn't mean, you know, that, all, oh, well, the only reason Boston won or lost is because Jason Tatum wasn't good enough. And, and that just means he has to get better. I think he, as a player, is a very different player than Steph. But when you're functionally asking them to do the same things, like, that's a problem. And maybe not, like, I don't think the other teams they faced in this playoff run had the offensive wherewithal. They didn't have a player capable of giving them enough offensively to capitalize on that. The Warriors did. And, like, that is the difference, and that is why this was his series and like there there it will be uh you know there there is nothing anybody can take from his career anymore there is no well he didn't do this he hasn't done that this didn't happen that didn't happen no he's done everything now he's done everything he's a four-time champion he is a two-time mvp a unanimous mvp on top of that one year he is god knows how many all nbas he's got you know the first Western Conference champion MVP. He's the he got his first Finals MVP. He has done everything. He has a complete resume, and he is a top ten player of all time. And now it's just about fighting and jockeying for a position within that top ten for him because his yeah. credentials are unimpeachable now. They are unimpeachable. He is an all time great player, and. He is clear of the seven-foot fraud in Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. I think, like, you know, I was listening to your pod the other day. You were talking a little bit about your top ten, and you said you had, I want to say you said you had Hakeem third. Um, Yeah. And, like, that's the type of thing to me where it's, like, Steph is now in that group. He's in that conversation where, like, you can have him seventh, you can have him eighth, but you can also have him third. And, like, that comes more down to, like, preference, right? Like, you can, yeah, it's how you weight everybody's him. different careers and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like you said, the resume is one hundred percent complete. Like he's done everything. He's checked every box. He has his like definitive finals. Like Steph Curry just won that championship, not by himself, because it's never by yourself. Like something that makes what I consider that top eight, um, with the exception of 
LeBron. LeBron's like the one guy in my top eight that doesn't really fit this criteria. Um, but everybody else in my top eight, like, plays amazingly with great players and makes their teammates better. And so it's not about like dragging teams to championships. That does, That's not what earns you more credit. It's more just like you were clearly the guy and you were the the core of this great team. Um, and, and those guys all have it now. And, and like I said, Steph, Steph, can, you can kind of fit him in anywhere, but as a defender of Steph, like a supporter of Steph, you don't really care anymore where people rank him because you know, like the resume is is flawless. Um, I I do want I, if you have anything more on him, I'm you know I'll talk about Steph all pod, but I I do want to talk about Tatum too. Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? Join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any five dollar NBA bet and get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets instantly. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA Finals? With a DraftKings same-game parlay, you can do just that. This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 same-game parlay and won over $5,000. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Oh, yeah, yeah. We can we can talk about Tatum. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know how interesting the Steph conversation is. I just think that, um, you know, he is... You know, it, it's it's good to it, when they lost in 2019, and then you have, and not just they lost, right? They they didn't just lose that series, right? They lose Kevin Durant because he leaves, Andy ripped tore his Achilles. They lose Clay Thompson for the next two years, effectively, because he tore his ACL in Game Six of that series, and then he doesn't, and he tears his Achilles. The follow, I think he he tore it the day of the draft, right? So yeah, like, yeah. so tore, tears the day of the next year's draft. So he's out for two years. Steph has a nightmare 2019-20. I think he only played like five games. Yeah, he broke his hand in, in game yeah. four of that season. And yeah, then came back for like one game before. The, yeah, he the broke ball. his hand, and then they were like, well, maybe losing wouldn't be the worst thing ever this year. Um, and then, and then last year, like he has a great great season. They just did not. They fucked around for too much. I, they didn't even fuck around. The reality of the situation is they had to play Wiseman a lot of minutes to start the year because he was the number two overall pick. He's also a big man. That hurt them a lot in terms of results. They were basically, as soon as he went down with injury, I think they were basically like the best team in basketball in terms of net rating and all kinds of shit. They Which just is didn't... fucking insane because their yeah. roster still was not good. They still it didn't was have clay. terrible. They had like no <laughs> shooting. They were playing Juan Toscano Anderson, like starter. Kent Bazemore was legit. Yeah. You know, he was like a key player. It was yeah, it was a, it was a bad roster, but yeah, and and they just they lose in the playing game. But like you, I mean, I I at least wondered to myself like, you know, how many more seasons does Steph have like that? And you know, I I I actually I listened to Bill Simmons' pod, uh, his 
game six post post game pod. That was the only one I listened to. I, I oh was yeah, like, I made a rule. I'm like, I am not going to listen to this dude during this series. I'm gonna, it's gonna drive me too. Yeah, crazy. I, I don't even listen to his pod at all anymore. But like, I had to listen to that one, obviously. Yeah. Um, and he actually brought up interesting, and I think this is a really good point. Is he brought? He was like, this was like a, a quote unquote Windows series, where it was like. Golden State is at the end of a window, potentially, right? Because Steph is 34, Draymond is... Is he 33? I think he's 32. Okay. He's 32. I would say his 32 is older than Steph's 34. <laughs> um, Clay is like 32 going on 76, probably. Mentally, he's just actually drunk. Um, especially in Game 6. Very drunk performance. Uh <laughs> Um, but like, I felt, I felt bad for him because like people really the game six clay thing became too like much of a narrative entering the game. I think oh, he was trying to make game six clay happen for yeah. sure. Um, but like, like this is their key three guys. They're it was it's the end of a window potentially, and and I think I, I would think you would agree with this. Like circumstances did work in their favor to some extent, right? Like Kawhi is done; he was out for the year. Uh, the Lakers are a shit show, which I don't know if that actually matters. Fuck that one. But like Memphis is young and improving, but they were still like, they don't have that wherewithal. They don't have that know-how yet to get across the finish line. Maybe they never get there, but they, they definitely didn't have it this year. Um, you know, Luca and the Luca Nets don't have much. Like, I think it worked out well for them. I'm not saying they got lucky, but circumstances favor them. They got to the finals and they figured it out against a really good team, by the way. Uh, so, not to take anything away from the Warriors winning championship, but they had a they had a shot and they took it and they won the championship. And for the Celtics, it was like, you know, you get a Brooklyn Nets team that's basically broken when you play them in round one. Take care of business. Congrats to them. They get the big break in in the second round, right? With Middleton out, yeah, they win that series in seven. They beat Miami in seven, a series that should have never gone seven. That should have been over in five games, something like that. So they, they get that. And then you get to the finals and it's like, this is your shot. And they didn't get it done, obviously. And it's like with Boston, I think there's a, there's a theory that they are at the, at the opening of a, of a window. And that's very possible. What I would say is the Middleton injury if they won the championship, I would never use the Middleton injury to diminish them winning the championship. But it is a factor in them getting to the finals, for sure. And it's a factor when looking forward. Right. I mean, that, that, exactly. That's, that's why like, you can give all the credit in the world you want to the Suns for like losing in the finals last year. But their path, we, we've talked about it on this pod, like, their path was pretty fucking easy to the finals. And it's not that crazy that they took a step back in the playoffs this year. Right. And so <laughs> with Boston, it's also like, yes, Tatum is young. Brown is young. Robert Williams is young. Grant Williams is young. All these guys are young. Um, Grant Williams is a fucking, he sucks, by the way. Um, I don't, I don't care for him. Yeah, I don't like him at all. Uh, but like, Al Horford's 35. He is not, like, he took, he got nine a nice nine-month gap because OKC had to tank last year. So we got a nice nine month gap. He didn't play, uh, and he was very well rested for this for this season. Um, and then 
Smart is 28. He's theoretically in his prime. I don't know what that necessarily means. We'll talk about him in a little bit later. But like, if they are at the beginning of some kind of window, then we do need to talk about Jason Tatum. Because Jason Tatum, I think, showed that he is a star player right now, but he is definitely not a superstar player. And he is not a guy who, at this point in his career, is capable of being, like, you don't need to be an awesome facilitator to be the best offensive player in a championship, but, like, you probably need to be better than he's capable of, and he did show a lot of growth as a playmaker, but, like, I wonder how much of his assist totals are just inflated by what they're asking from him versus what is his optimized role. And so, like, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about him in terms of how much of his struggles in the finals are about, like, things he needs to improve upon and how much of it is you are, like, the roster construction and the talent of the team and all that stuff around him is putting him in a position where you're ultimately asking him to do to do too yeah. much on that end. Yeah, well, it's 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 really hard to untether those questions because if Boston continues to use him that way, then yes, he has to improve upon those things. Um, but will he? I just don't really think so. So I think the, the, the handle is the big thing for me. I don't know how much that can improve from where he's at because it's a real. He has a really good handle for a six nine six ten wing or whatever he is, but it's also like clearly not a handle that's tight enough to deal with the type of pressure. Like like Kevin Durant, people talk about Kevin Durant as like this 6'10 guard. Even Kevin Durant can't play that way. Like they they have not won. Kevin Durant has never won a championship without, or or even, you know, competed for a championship without a great point guard next to him. Um, And and Jason Tatum just needs that. So like, I, I don't think it has to be, like we were talking about earlier, it's not like you need Steph Curry on the Celtics or like Damian Lillard or something, but Marcus Smart is is certainly not that guy. And if you don't make an upgrade there, I don't really care how young Boston is. And and look, that's not to say like as constructed, they can't win a championship because they were, if, if you make the finals straight up, you can win a championship because at that point you're just like, one injury away. Um, so it's not to say they can't win a championship, but just as easily as they could get back to the finals and like next year, you know, let's say they face the Warriors again and like Steph gets hurt or something, like, okay, they could just as easily have lost in round two, like you said, if, if Chris Middleton didn't get hurt. And if you're Boston, like you don't want to just be this team that might sneak a championship in when everything breaks right. Like you want to be a legit contender for the next five plus years. Um, and and I don't think this roster is set up to do that despite the age. And, and, and with Rob Williams, like there's a ton of talk about, oh, is, is him playing on this knee going to cause long-term damage? Like let's not act like Rob, this is his first injury. Like, like this dude has never been able to stay on the court for long periods of time yeah that's Um, always been his biggest problem so yeah like he's he's a fucking phenomenal player like i i actually really love watching rob williams and i think he like as a warriors fan was the one guy i was actually terrified of in this series um but but he can't really stay on the court jalen brown i i really like jalen brown but like he's just he's not that guy either um and, and Grant Williams is young, but like 
what is he? He's not going to like become some all-star level player either. So, so I don't really know how much Boston is like naturally improving from here. Horford's obviously getting older. Marcus Smart's probably declining or staying the same at this point. Um, so I, I think that they might need to make another move. And let's not like forget that nobody saw Boston as a contender entering the season. They, nope, they certainly didn't see them as a contender two months into the season. And yeah, maybe their turnaround in January is like the sign that they're now this elite team. It could also be a temporary stretch. They could take a, a half step back. You know, the, the truth of who they are could be somewhere in the middle of who they looked like entering the season and where they ended up. Um, I, I'm not super high on this current iteration winning a title. And just back to the Tatum point, I really, I really don't think it's fair to like, like you can criticize Tatum for a lot of stuff he did in the series. He certainly like, once his struggles started, once Golden State like figured out that he just can't be the playmaker that Boston's asking him to be, they they did just an amazing job like baiting him in to like, okay, we're actually gonna let you put the ball in on the deck rather than like try to just like stifle you because if we if we shut you down like on the catch, then you're just going to swing it. And we're actually more scared of ball movement than of you driving, which is kind of like an indictment of you as a player. But at the same time, like Golden State just has unique personnel to be able to like let him get into his drive, get into the lane, and then have like Draymond and Peyton and Clay and Wig, all these guys with insane hands, like, force turnover after turnover um but like that being said you can still blame tatum for letting that pressure start affecting the rest of his game right like he he just didn't show up at all in game six he was passing up wide open threes which by the way he was shooting the three extremely well this series i don't know if i've ever seen a guy shoot 45 percent from three and like 36 percent from the field in a series no it was a shoulder bro his shoulder yeah i just it only yeah, affected you can't us. say that shit it, if the guy like i yeah. can't believe him. it only affected him on th- it only affected him once he stepped inside the arc though right and at the free throw yeah. line but you know he he was uh, from three it's it's something about the yeah it's like dude shut up like just he had a bad series You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.